different in our hearts than before, Lord. Lord, we honor you and worship you. You deserve endless praises from the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun. We give you and honor you and give you glory. We were designed to glorify you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oof. Some of you haven't been at the foot of the cross recently and realizing what he's done for you. Father, we just pray that the Holy Spirit continue to move in this room today. Amen and amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. As you know, we have um, been developing our personnel ministries uh, more and more. Uh, our Ignite Men, woo, woo, and, uh, and our um, Flourish Ladies, yay, and our Extraordinary Marriages, and these are ministries that are pretty much run and designed for you, our church community, and uh, we've appointed some leaders that are doing that, developing it, and uh, recruiting for some volunteers, because it's going to take a small village to do what God's calling us to do, but the village is already here, so we can do that, I believe, in what he's giving us to do. Uh, today, we just wanted to take a few minutes, so I wanted to pray for uh, the volunteers that are stepping up for our Flourish Women's Ministry. Uh, there's a few departments, and for, if I forget one, there's a, a hospitality part, there's a community part, there's event planning part, but there's also a support group where many of the women in our congregation may want to talk to another woman in our congregation. Imagine that. It could be good for support in different areas. So we wanted to ask those volunteers to come up right now because we want you to help pray for them as I ask the, the uh, pastors and their wives to come up. Uh, I'd ask Pastor John ahead of time to lead the prayer on this, but we just want to pray for our volunteers that have stepped up uh, to support Fleur. Yeah, give them a head of applause. I want to also applaud for Joanne Johnson doing this too. We had, I had asked her a while back and God is just moving. Uh, we really haven't coordinated this, but this is a good problem to have when you have a lot of people up here right now. So this is okay. Uh, how we can pray and lay hands on it. Pastor John, if you can orchestrate, I guess if they can turn. Yeah, that would be great. But please, this is not a, uh, this is a class participation time too. Thank you. Guys, would lay hands on them, please. Just dive in. Go lay hands on them. <laughs> and if all of you would just join in, this is. Thank you, Father. God has ordained the body to minister to the body. Yes, yes. And we're releasing, by the Holy Spirit's function, we're releasing these ladies to minister in these different capacities. And so, Father, we come to you and we thank you that you're the confidence that you have and what you've put in each one of us and each one of these ladies. We thank you, Father, for the, the Spirit of God who lives in them to, to guide them and to anoint them to do whatever it is their role is they volunteered for. And so we come to you, Father, and we ask you right now to impart into them the wisdom, the grace, the understanding for each role that you have called them to. Just as you prayed through Moses, over the different craftsmen that constructed the tabernacle and you passed on the anointing to do that. We pray, Father, right now for that anointing, that wisdom to guide, that wisdom to listen, 
that wisdom, Father, to plan all the different gifts that are represented in front of us right now. For, Father, all too long in the body of Christ, the women have not been exalted to where they need to be. But that's not your heart. You called women to stand alongside of the men in an equal position to minister. And so, Father, we ask you to help release the special gifts that you have in each one of these ladies that have stepped forward by faith. Father, we pray for the wisdom that they're going to need. We pray for the gifts of administration that are needed. We pray for the patience, the counseling that's needed. In the precious name of Jesus. In the precious name of Jesus. In the precious name of Jesus. Joanne, would you come here? Pastor Chris. Pastor Michael. Father, we thank you for this woman of God that, that you have called to lead this part of the ministry to the body. We thank you for the natural gifts that you've given to her, but we thank you more of that for the spiritual gifts that you have placed within her. We thank you for the grace, the patience, the wisdom that will come. Yes, yes, yes. You have a natural wisdom. You have a natural ability, but God is raising up in you a supernatural wisdom, a supernatural ability. And as you learn to rely on that, you will know in every situation exactly what needs to be done. So don't be anxious in advance. Don't worry in advance. Don't let the pressure come upon you for the pressure is not yours. But the wisdom will be there when you need it because your heart is right. And so, Father, we ask you to continue to give her understanding, wisdom, and an understanding of where to go to bring the women in this church to another level that they've never been in before in what you've called them to do to take their place. And for this, we thank you in Jesus' precious, 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 precious name. Oh, but at the Sabbakia, 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 I just feel in my heart that you ladies need to know how God sees you. God has called you and placed in you special sensitivities, special gifts, special understanding that He desires in the days that are ahead to use. So don't allow limitations from the past. Don't allow your experiences from the past to limit what God wants to do through you. We just thank you, Father, that as you continue to help them to learn how to submit under the godly authority that you lead and guide us by, that your gifts will flow in the ways that you've ordained them to do. We thank you for the women of this congregation, Father. We thank you, Father, for their needs, Lord, that you care about their needs. You care about the women in our congregation. You care about them. And, Father, we're asking you to release a spirit in this church a spirit of love and acceptance, a spirit of mercy. We're asking you to bring breakthrough through their lives into the situations in their lives that the bondages that they've been under will be broken in the name of Jesus. We just speak freedom, freedom, freedom over the women in this church. Woman, you are loosed, as Jesus said, in the name of Jesus to be who God's called you to be. Father, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor. 
praise and the glory and the honor. Yes, and I just sense a year from now, a year from now, many of you will not recognize yourselves. You will not recognize yourselves as you look back on this day. And it's not just for these women. It's for the women in this congregation. In the name of Jesus. It's a day of new beginnings. 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. church, right? Occasionally? That's good. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor John. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. He is worthy to be praised. It's okay to be a little uncomfortable in church, too. It means we're on the edge of being challenged to go deeper and higher to wherever we've gone before and where God's calling us to do. Thank you, women. Thank you, Pastor John. Thank you, Pastor or team and the wives for doing that coming up. Yes, absolutely. Well, as Verda said, we are going to do communion today. Thank you, Verda, for doing announcements at the beginning of the service. If you missed the announcements, you need to come in on time. That would be nice. So. We can solve that right there. So we'll, we're going to mix it up here and there, just let you keep you guys on your toes from time to time how we're doing that. Uh, we do want to thank the worship team this morning, which was a part of the D2L team last week. How about those ladies? And I know Pastor Ray was working well with them. And didn't they do a great job last week? And Miss Luciano delivering a timely word. Of what's stopping you? I want to put a question mark after that title that she had up there, but what is stopping you? Well, I hope my message today kind of uh, builds upon that. It was certainly a message that I was hoping to deliver on January 1st. I thank Pastor Mike for doing uh, that message. He did a wonderful message on love and God being the trademark, so thank you for filling in. I got COVID, so I appreciate your prayers. Sorry, I did okay. I know others didn't. Lost my taste for a few days and a little bit of sniffling, but through God's grace, uh, I was I was well, and uh, we're moving forward. But uh, I'm going to deliver this message today that I was hoping to deliver then, but I think we'll still be able to digest uh, the timeness of it. I do one other announcement. We were going to talk about um, giving statements. So if you've given to Faith Christian Center uh, in 2022, uh, there's two ways, well, there's, if you've done it digitally uh, on your mobile device, on your website, you can go into your uh, account, your PushPay account, that's the vendor we use, PushPay, and uh, the statements are right in there. You'll see 2002 giving statement, you can print it out and use that for your tax purposes if you choose to do that. Uh, if you have not been using the digital giving and been doing handwritten things in our envelope and dropping them off or mailing them in, uh, next week they will be out in the foyer where you can pick them up. So is that pretty clear? If you've been doing digital giving, 
it is 2023, you're just, you know, typing in and doing digital giving. Um, you can just go to your account and push pay. Uh, call the office if you don't even know how to do that. That's fine. We'll walk you through that. Uh, or if you've been doing it handwritten, things like that, which we appreciate whatever way it's coming in and your generosity, um, you can just pick them up in the foyer after church. And we, all, as a pastoral staff, we appreciate your obedience and being generous because we cannot do what we do weekly. Uh, we are here from Monday to Friday, too. It's not just Sunday where there's a lot of work happening during the week. Our pastoral team works very hard. Our staff, amazing staff to make us look good at times. Yeah, we can't do it by ourselves. Yeah, but your giving helps do that and certainly reaching the missions around the world and locally in our community, too. Uh, we just appreciate your generosity and to keep on doing that as we can. Well, the message today is called, it's just one word, it's called beyond. It's not an unfamiliar word. Uh, it's a word we could use pretty much every January 1st, but I sense for 2023, and as Pastor John's prayer kind of alluded to, too, in the Holy Spirit, that we're being called to go a little bit more beyond than what we've done before, individually and collectively as the body of Christ, and certainly as a church community at FCC. You see, whether you've been a Christian for 24 hours or 10,000 hours, yes, D2L can be dismissed, sorry. Get better at this and jumpstart, I believe, too, right? Yes, okay. Uh, you see, if you've been a Christian, for no matter how long you've been a Christian, there's always more to discover in God of who God is, right? Yes. There is. And part of that discovery can even happen individually in our lives daily, in our prayer life, our devotional time, our connecting with people uh, who encourage us, but it also can happen at church, as you know, and that's one of the reasons I hope you're here uh, to, to discover more of God in your life, right? A church should be a place uh, where there's encouragement, refreshing, challenging. Sometimes I'm the, I'm the challenger, and I just want to let you know, it's not because I don't love you, but God's challenging me every time that I'm challenging you. I hope you know that. Uh, so it can be a place of refreshing, again, encouraging, uh, a place of challenging, which kind of equals what Jesus talked about, being discipled, right? You see, if we continue in this new year to think that I go to church and have that mindset, that's what you'll be doing. But imagine if your mindset is, I'm a part of a church. Let God define the apart word to you this year. What does that mean? What does that mean? You see, if we put God, we've heard this before, we've had eloquent teaching and things, but it, it boils down to this. If we put God first in our life, we can be great beneficiaries of what we keep singing about, talking about, and wondering about why it ain't happened sometimes in our lives. But it takes putting God first, the peace that you continue to search in your life the different breakthroughs that you want in your life, the abundance that you can only read in a brochure somewhere. You put God first, you're the beneficiary of some of that. Amen. See, today we're talking about going beyond, but what is that beyond? It's working what we were singing about earlier, about we are designed to give God glory. And in giving him glory, we become beneficiaries of who he is to us. I wanted the main anchor idea today in the scripture is coming from uh, in Ephesians where 
you know, we know Ephesians well, and Paul's running to the church of Ephesus, right? Uh, Ephesus was a church, if you look up Ephesus, one of the words of that church is uh, desirable, desirable. Um, and we could say even in Seekonk, our neighborhoods, our, this community of neighborhoods, it's a desirable community, right? Right? Whether you live here or not, you know, and we were fortunate to be in it. Um, and Ephesus was becoming desirable too. Uh, the geographic location had people from different nationalities as well, uh, and they were becoming very good on their doctrines. But they're, and they're no church, any different church from any others. We're, we're a collection of individual people coming for, together for a greater purpose than ourselves, right? So there's nothing different than them than there. And the other thing Paul talks about in this letter he's writing to Ephesians, the church of Ephesus at the beginning, he's talking about, I want to praise your doctrine. Man, you know your doctrine. You can... You, you know, if there is a Western of flashcards of scriptures, you can pull them out. And that is good. Your knowledge of the scriptures is great. But now I need to call you that there's duty to the doctrine that you know about. And that duty, whew, it's the call that each and every one of us have on our life. You see, when we come to church, there's two things that should be happening. You should be coming to give and receive. Oh no, it's going to be a financial message. No, more than just tithes and offering. Your worship, what we just did. See, if you're missing out on worship, you're just coming to receive. And I wonder if you can fully receive what God's ready to provide to you because you haven't given anything. God desires your heart. And it is giving and worship. And it is going to be worship later in communion. We have to give of something when we come in. And when we give, it positions our hearts and through the Holy Spirit to help us receive better. Because it avoids us into a consumer mentality. We've talked about this before. I want a church with a menu. I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. Oh, dessert, maybe this. I, 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 I. God is not the God of I. He is I am and who he is and that's it. It's the only I he uses. And it just, but also with the church of Ephesus too, what Paul's talking about is it's desirable, but sometimes desirable is good. And the translation of good is sometimes where we just get to be good and we settle for just good. What about better? God has something better for us. As it gets darker out there, it should be better in here and in your daily lives. It should be. But as I said, Paul in this, this letter, and it's really a prayer that he's about to talk to and what our anchor idea in Scripture is for today, he is talking about that. He's like, listen, you, you, you know your doctrine well, and we need that. We need that. But there's a duty to what, you're not, what you know now. You have to go beyond of what you've thought of before. And I think as FCC, we can really glean from um, you know, the church of Ephesus, at least the beginning. It didn't end too well, so let's not read the end, but... But at the beginning where they were uh, and how Paul is talking to them. You see, if you're, you settle for anywhere, you're going to hit it every time. <laughs> you have to focus on that somewhere that he might be calling you to be. He's calling you to be. So the key word here today is uh, beyond. 
And really, to take that word and let it settle in your soul and your mind and your spirit. And if you put God first and go beyond more in him, it will automatically ripple into the other areas of your life that you're so worried about sometimes. So here's the anchor statement that I have today. Each of us, and collectively as a church, we are given opportunities to go beyond what things we've done before to glorify God. In this going beyond, God has given us great resources to do so. But rest assured, it ain't in our own efforts or our knowledge. Does another new year await for us to go beyond? So here is Paul's prayer. It's in Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, and is our anchor scripture for today. And I really hope this is your anchor prayer throughout the year moving forward, too. So he's writing this, but it is a prayer. He says, ever since I first heard of your strong Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, okay, ever since I've heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, we can keep going, I have not stopped thanking God for you and praying for you consistently. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's the first. We're going to talk about three different elements today that we want to go beyond in 2023. Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom. We just heard this earlier in the prayer. And insight that you may grow in your knowledge of God. Keep going. I also, I also pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he's called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. So there's three elements there that I want to focus on in his prayer that are resources to us as we've, when we decide to go beyond where we've been before with God in our relationship with him. One is spiritual wisdom. Two is really a combine with one what you can't have the other is the hope that we should all have. Which then equals the calling we should have individually and collectively as a church. And the last thing he talked about, oh, keep going, I'm sorry. I also pray, this is the third thing, that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. That is the same, what a great example, the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in places of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So can you guess what the third one is? (laughs) The power of God. Not just working from your seat in the congregation, but in your individual lives, in your rhythm of your lives. So spiritual wisdom, the hope, and which will equal the calling and the power of God. Let's talk about spiritual wisdom. We heard that earlier today, too. Personally, as I, hold on. I think when you use the word wisdom, you have to have God involved in it. Because there is no human wisdom. It's a bunch of working experiences mixed with my opinion and my knowledge that I read about or read on the news. It's not, there is no human wisdom. Wisdom is at another level, which is only spiritual wisdom. 
Spiritual wisdom will come through you through the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk a lot about later on. It'll come in the right time, whether you need a decision about something. You need that spiritual wisdom in something. It'll give you a discernment about people or different things you have to do or not do. It'll guide you. It gives you the aerial approach. You see, back to the church of Ephesus, too. Again, they're not like any other church. They're trying to learn to live a heavenly life in a wicked, hellish world. So imagine having spiritual wisdom in doing that. Imagine being able to take that aerial view. Imagine knowing what God knows in a situation, that he's given you a glimpse of that. That's spiritual wisdom. And wisdom for you young folks under 40, I don't know, I'm getting older and older. Wisdom isn't a dusty old word in a university and on the shelf of a library. It can help you apply your biblical truths, your doctrine that you know, and apply them to every, everyday life and succeed in life. It can make you say no when everybody thinks you should say yes about something. Stand for things that don't look like you should sit for something instead or compromise. I think towards the end of where we're heading with culture, as culture continues to be foggy with things and lean towards sin and self-justification of what it's doing. What will separate the church is our unity, but it'll also be our spiritual wisdom. Because you see, spiritual wisdom doesn't always apply for the now, too. It applies for something else coming down the pike, too. And through that understanding is your understanding that can make the applier to those things that you need to apply, because you understand Um, Jesus knew spiritual wisdom. He walked in it. Let's take a look at a verse right here on John 8, 4 through 11. If you would put that up there. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. We can say adultery in church, right? The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus, imagine this. He stoops down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. Continue. They kept demanding, pressuring him, an answer, you son of the most high God. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let, here's where spiritual wisdom's crept in. Or it could have started when he stooped down to draw in the sand. Who knows? Only he knows at that time. But he responds, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw. The first stone. The first stone. Keep going. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Keep going. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, as Pastor John says before with this, they had more opportunity to sin, right? (laughs) 
until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Continue. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Didn't ever... No, Lord, she said, and Jesus said, neither do I. I go and sin no more. Mm. Somehow there was spiritual wisdom that had to come down through his Abba Father to bring the best out of that situation. You see, he not only ministered to the women, but he did, whether they received it or not, ministered to the accusers too. That's spiritual wisdom. Spiritual wisdom. Now, not some of you don't get lost in saying, well, bless God, she sinned. Where's her punishment? I tell you, as we continue to move forward as a church, God's the transformer, and we are the beneficiaries of his grace. Okay? Not that we don't judge what needs to be judged, but sometimes we get all huffy and puffy thinking we're the transformer of trying to transform someone's life. The word will do that. Jesus will do that. We can usher that in. We can usher that in. Because how much grace did you need at one point? Grace is grace. Grace is grace. But there was spiritual wisdom in the doodling in the ground, I think. It was amazing. And Jesus has so many moments where he had spiritual wisdom in his ministry. James talks about a tone of spiritual wisdom. Or an essence of spiritual wisdom. We're not going to go there, but in James, he wrote it. He talks about when there's spiritual wisdom, there should be a pure motive in that wisdom. There should be peace in that wisdom. A willing to help others, full of mercy, no favoritism. So I propose to you, if you're with somebody, and they think they're speaking spiritual wisdom to you, and there's a lot of pride behind it, it's not spiritual wisdom. It's not spiritual wisdom. It's human reasoning. That person's experience mixed in with his opinions. That's it. <laughs> I heard this once. Uh, it's as we become and we decide to be Christ followers, and let's say we were, that God's calling us to fly the plane of life that we're in. I'm going to throw a lot of illustrations out today. So, um, We're in the plane, and, and we're flying. And if we don't want spiritual wisdom, we don't decide to put a headset on and the microphone that comes with it to talk and listen to a control tower where we're going. We're just flying. And it'll last on a sunny day for a while when you're flying that plane, but you get a few storms coming in. What are you running to? You're going to throw that headset on. That's your spiritual wisdom your spiritual wisdom that you need. And Proverbs is a wonderful book on wisdom. I mean, you can take a whole series and go through wisdom. And the most popular verse that comes out of that (laughs) says, the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. My definition of that of fear, because people have always wrestled with that too, is when you begin to fear the Lord, you begin to understand his nature. And in through his nature, you understand his majesty, his reverence, his holiness, and how he views you. And my fear is not having a God. (laughs) 
I need him way too much. And that's part of hell, is God ain't there. That's hell. I can say hell, right? That's fearful to me. And through scriptures is more than proven that we need to understand God's nature and we understand and then wisdom will come through that and knowing his holiness and what he will do for you. I pray that 2023, that this book, I'm not going to hug it. It's a book, but it is God's word. But this becomes equally relational to you as it is educational over time. There's life in this, but it has to speak through the Holy Spirit because Jesus was a person. He was the Word. So I pray that because if you're just seeking educational out of this, you may think you're all smart. You're going to miss a lot of God's experience in in life that He's calling you to do that. I have an example of spiritual wisdom that's not biblical, but it was. I had a friend. he uh, He had a teenage son. Uh, he, his son came up like most teenage sons do sometimes. Dad, can I go to a party tonight? We know everybody that's there. You know, the parents are there. There's another pair of chaperone parents that are there. And uh, th- my friend's telling me this story. He's like, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to fast and pray about it for a week because the party's tonight. Uh, God will give you wisdom when you need it, right? Okay, so literally after his son said, he says, well, I'll get back to you. You know, never, and Pastor John said, but don't make a lot of decisions under pressure. Because that's usually the enemy with the pressure. Uh, get quiet. He got quiet and he just said, unfortunately, he said, he said, I have to tell him no. You know, my son may not be my friend now. Hmm. That's a whole other message, but we love our kids. Okay, so somebody just got that. That's good. Um, so, um, so he came back, his son says, everything lines up. I know the parents, I know the location, I know everything, but I'm just getting this thing in my spirit and it's wisdom that says no, and I love you and I'm sorry and I don't expect you to understand. No. It turned out a week, and it was a week and a half later, um, my friend asked his son, he's like, hey, you know, how you doing? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. I know I didn't go to that party. He's like, dad, I'm glad you didn't have me go to that party. Because uh, it turns out there was a situation where there was an assault going on that nobody expected from two other people, and I probably would have been in the middle of that, not on purpose. Police came, everything. So your no was a yes to me that you were listening to God and what he told you. So things like that. that like I said, when people should think you should say no, you say Yes. So how do we apply spiritual wisdom more in our life? Well, the first step, and I'm still learning to do this, I have to decide that that spiritual wisdom is going to be the most authoritative thing in my life. That whatever I hear that I believe I'm hearing from God, I'm going to obey that and follow that. Because if I don't value it, why should I listen for it? Expect it. I bought, a car, uh, I bought a car just recently. And <laughs> she's bowing her head. It was a great deal. So neat. I could talk and text, get a lot of work done. And we did, I didn't pray about it. That car has been, was been in the garage for 50 days in the eight months that I've owned it. New engine, new transmission. Don't worry, it's all under warranty. I didn't, but... But it's like, I went to God, I had to repent. I'm like, I did not involve you in this key decision. 
Then my wife says, next time I'm going with you. (laughs) But it's these things and these daily decisions. You have to involve them in that. But back to what I was saying, for spiritual wisdom and and, and committing more to that, that it has to be a a high authority in your life because it is God through the Holy Spirit speaking to you about that, right? And he cares about everything you're doing. He does. In your devotion time, in reading the word and praying, Take notes, because something that may come up may not be applicable today, but it may be tomorrow, like a word or different things than that. So be ready to listen. Be ready to write. Spiritual wisdom. Don't leave home without it. All right, next thing, hope and calling. So we heard Paul talk about this. You don't have to put the scripture up, but in 18 he says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light, eyes of your understanding so that you can understand the confident hope that has given to those he's called. His holy people are his rich and glorious inheritance. This is the foundation of our Christianity. Talks about flooded with light. That's pretty emerged. It's not missing a spot on your body. You are flooded. He prays, I want you to be flooded with light. The truth, the love, and the hope that you should have. It's the hope that what has been done and what will be to come and what Christ has done for us. It should overwhelm you. We were saying something earlier. I'm overwhelmed. No, you should be overwhelmed to find hope in Christ. Heaven came down to earth. I know we know this. Jesus became a man. Had to put humanity on. Yes, he was divine. But he went through the struggles you and I did. He went to a cross and every step, oh boy, he's thinking of you. Thinking of you. You are his joy, it talks about in Ephesians. Got nailed to a cross. Went to hell. Beat death for us. Spiritual death. Came back a Lord of you and I. And now is promised and reconciled with God that we get to spend eternity with this king and our God. There's a hope. That is a hope. I don't care how bad your day was yesterday. There's a hope. January second, 1st or 2nd, some well-meaning people, maybe some of you in this room, woke up with hope in their New Year's resolutions going to exercise better, not eat that, eat this, do this, do that, watch my mouth, be nicer to Sister Sally, whatever. But they're resting in their own hope and their own efforts. We have a, and I'm not saying that's not good. You do need to exercise. You are the temple and all that and talk nice to Sister Sally, whatever. But you have a greater hope in your life that should get you out of bed in the morning, that when things go wrong in your life, that's what's been right. And then the world sees that mm, in you. So rest in this hope. You need to rest in it, especially in a new year. Go beyond than you've ever rested before. Because see, if you begin to really rest in it, then you start hearing his calling towards you. If you're not resting, you're not going to hear his calling. We may hear little subtleties from here and there, but he's calling you individually. And collectively as the body of Christ. 
He's calling you. <laughs> I know that sounds exciting, but... 2 Thessalonians 2.16, Paul talks about this hope that we can rest in that leads to calling. Now, many of our Lord, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us by his grace gave us eternal comfort. Just a little plug, next month I'm doing a series on eternity. We need to be eternity-minded. Comfort and wonderful hope. It comforts you and strengthens you in every good thing that you do or say. But resting in that will bring that calling. The calling of what God is calling you to do. And that calling probably involves other people. Sorry. Not going to be a solo Christian, right? That, that would not be what Christ... Christ did not have a solo crucifixion. And then further, Paul talks about that you are his riches, his glory, and his inheritance. Man, if you are insecure, you have an option. Again, we're all somewhere. You have an option to rest in his hope, hear his calling, and then know that heaven went bankrupt just about for you. He knew what he was getting. Yeah, pastor, I've had too many mistakes in my life. He knew what he was getting. You have a pastor, I just fight depression. You probably do, but he knew what he was getting. He knew what he is getting. You are his inheritance. He wants you. (laughs) That's not a conceited statement. He wants you. He wants you so much that he wants to spend eternity. Eternity is a long time. We're going to find out next month if you didn't know it. He wants to spend eternity with you. Eternity. You are his glorious inheritance. You are loved. In Psalms, David talked about you are beautifully and wonderfully made. You are somebody. Some of you haven't received his love yet. Because usually when you receive it, the next thing is, I don't even deserve this. Wow. Hope, calling, and riches. I'm going to try and illustrate this. Illustration number two. So we come to an altar, whether that's in front right here uh, or with a friend or a TV evangelist after you just gave money. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, you know, you, 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 you've come to the altar. You said, Lord, I need you in my life. I want to receive what Christ did on the cross. I want to be reconciled to God. We, don't, we need to use that word more, reconciled reconciled to God. That's the beginning of your Christian walk. That is not the finished work. We're going to talk more about this. Mm. That is the beginning where you say, I'm going to follow Christ. You're not going to be perfect every day. That's why we need him. So you are put on this road. Here's my illustration. And now you begin to follow Christ. And you're following, and you're following, and you're following. You're reading your Bible. You're growing. You're following. And then Jesus said, well, we have a pit stop. And you stay at the pit stop, whether it's you ministering that you need health in your body or ministering to other people, that they need the good news 
whatever, it's a pit stop. Jesus, the neat thing though is when Jesus stops with you, you're facing him. You're seek, you have to seek his face in those moments. And then he's gonna tell you when we need to move again. Problem is if we're not resting in his hope, hearing his calling, we don't know when he's left sometimes. And we sit on these roadsides and wonder where God is. And then we begin to trust in these events that we feel we were called to do and do, but where is everything? Because we weren't seeking his face when he's right in front of you. So those who say, okay, I did see, he's saying, let's move. We get back on the journey. Momentum is growth, by the way. As you're growing and getting closer to him and you're following. And what is on that horizon is eternity because that's where you're headed with him. And as you begin to grow in your relationship and great, gain more momentum with him, you get closer to them in that following. Because you know what? God's beginning to trust you. And the closer you get where his shadow starts overshadowing your shadow, you are becoming more like Christ. And the fullness of Christ is where we can be as we're living here and breathing on earth. Keep following. If you fall down, get up. The neat thing is, as a, that's individually, but as a church body, as we keep, keep being sensitive where God's leading us, we are the road signs for your journey. Keep going. Don't give up. Keep growing. Don't give up. Maybe there's some road, road stops that we call you to that say, hey, we've got to minister to this community over here. We're going to do over here. But keep going. See, if you're not experiencing anything, mm, any movement <laughs> as a Christ follower, you may have fallen into the following, where Christianity has become a reference point in your life. Or it's more of a noun than a verb. We certainly learned this over the last few three years. I believe this. I believe that. I, 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 I. Because it's becoming a more reference point in it. And let me, let me go through this quote that might bring this out more. Uh, Francis Chan, maybe many of you have heard of him. Uh, he's an evangelist, was a pastor for a while. Uh, one of the truest speakers, I believe, who's who's. who's I personally, I believe Jesus' shadow is beginning to overshadow him. So I take heed to what he says. He says, because you believe truth, it does not guarantee you possess it in your life. He goes further. He quotes A.W. Tozer, which we know very well. He says, Tozer says this, he says, who describes the textualist as a person who assumes that because he affirms biblical bureaucracy, he automatically possesses the things of which the Bible speak. Too many people live as though they affirming a Bible truth is equivalent to having it in a reality in their life. Seminary, I'm not done. Seminary can teach you to memorize a menu, but that does not ensure that you'll ever test the food. It terrifies me to think that hell may have no shortages of great Bible teachers with good theology. It's hard truth. Beyond the altar, it's hard truth. It's hard truth. 
Pastor John's talked about this before. Don't reference, like I'm saying, don't reference that I'm a Christian as a reference point and don't rest in the idea that you mentally assent to things that you're taught and then your mind alone creates this false narrative in life that you're living this out. You have to be very careful of that. I'm speaking this in love. We're not all there yet. I'm not either. So how can we apply this hope, calling, and knowing we're inheritance better? It gets back to meditating in the Bible. But meditate more on the Gospels, the Son of God, what he did when he was here on planet Earth. See, we don't get to be here too long. You need to know what your Lord and Savior did while he was on planet. Because we're called to do the same. In your devotion time, I would bring more thanksgiving than anything else. Lord, thank you for resting. I can rest in your hope, what you did on that cross, what you've done faithfully over time and time again in my life, and what I know you'll be faithful to continue to do in my life as I trust in you. Make sure you find solitude in this time. I don't mean just in your heart, but a physical space. Sometimes we do drive through, I do it too, drive through prayer where we're just blah, 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 and then we go on with something. Find solitude where there is no distractions. It is so important because the Holy Spirit wants to minister back to you and you need to be able to hear that calling that we just talked about. If you're not hearing a calling, Christianity is a a reference point in your life and I would encourage you for 2023 to go beyond that. Begin. God knows where you are. Don't hide. And it's going to take, sometimes you think it's a swear word in our Christian circles, it's going to take surrender. (laughs) You have to surrender something. There's a cost of discipleship. Salvation was not free to God, and it shouldn't be to you either. But you're just exchanging your life for his, technically. That's a pretty good deal on our end. It really is. It really is. So let's talk about the third element, God's power. In verse 19, Paul, again, this prayer, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power, great example, that raised Christ from the dead and seats him on, in the place of honor on God's right hand in heavenly places. In the King James Version, it says immeasurable power. God's power can flip the tables on anything that's going on in your life. We just saw some of that earlier. We saw an edge of his power. God's power should be in your life every day. We've been proven through this Bible. I mean, in the Old Testament, um, God was able to make a man build a boat miles from the shoreline of any lake or ocean. Gave him specifics on an ark. He shut the mouths of lions while Daniel had to sleep with them. Talk about some sleeping buddies, huh? He took Elijah up in a whirlwind. He split Red Seas. These are God's power that we've seen throughout the Old Testament. In Job, we know Job well because Job had a beef with God for at one point. And God reminded him, wait a minute, where were you when I began this thing called earth in your life? 
In Job 26, he said, God stretched the north skies over the empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. Scientists are still trying to figure that out. He wraps the rain in this thick clouds and the clouds don't burst with the weight. He covers the face of the moon, shrouding it with his clouds. He created the horizon and he separated waters. That's some power. That's some power. In the New Testament, we see God working through Jesus, right? For power, healing the sick. In Matthew 8, 22, 25, when the, this is Jesus and his disciples. When they arrived at, at Bethsaida, some of the people brought a blind man to Jesus. I wonder if he was panicking when that happened. Because it was early, early time in his ministry. Oh boy, I got a blind guy. And they, uh, no disrespect, we're all somewhere, I'm seriously. And they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out to the village. So like, where's this going? He was using spiritual wisdom then. Then he spit on the man's eyes and laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then, so we're done yet. Then he says, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again and his eyes were open. His sight was completely restored and he could see everything clearly. That's God's power. That's God's power. And it gets even better because then when Jesus leaves the earth and we're about to do the Passover uh, communion in a minute, he says, since I've been given all authority to do this now because I've been obedient to my God and surrendered my life while I was here for you, I can give you the same authority, the church, because I'm the head of it. Church, this is, this is a church, church. So I'm going to give you that same authority and power. And what happens? We hear in Acts how the Holy Spirit comes down. You have Peter who ended up with his disciples going to the gate of the temple. And this lame man says, can you help me? And as we know, I think they made songs out of silver and gold have I none. But what I do have in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he walked. And he walked. If we are his disciples, like a Peter and the others, we have that same opportunity. We have the same opportunity. I had an uh, incident in my life where the power of God, um, hmm, I'm not looking for sympathy, but the reality was I shouldn't be here right now. Uh, back in 1986 or 87, um, I was driving somewhere and uh, my hood flew up. I was like 45 miles an hour, starting to snow a little bit, so the hood of my car flew up. I was probably the idiot that didn't close it. So, But anyhow, I flew up, pulled over, went to fix it. So I'm down like this, and a van comes screaming down the road and starts losing control as I'm fixing my hood hits my car, I go into my car, he hits the back of it, I go flying, again, this is what I'm told, I was not conscious at the time, but 
I go flying over my car, over his van, and into the gutter. Okay? So I was not supposed to be alive after that. Um, ambulance came, all that. Uh, spent two and a half weeks in the hospital. My loving parents prayed every day at the side of my bed. Um, I wasn't supposed to be alive after that. Even the doctors. But the power of God. The power of God. And he, you have these same testimonies. But you have these same testimonies. They may not have ended you in a hospital bed, but they ended you out of bankruptcy. They ended you out of jail. They've ended you in different areas. That's the power of God working behind the scenes that we don't see sometimes. That we don't see sometimes. But expect it. Expect it. And I go through the room. I'm sure you have many, many testimonies on that. So how do we see more of the power of God in our life? And I'll close right now. I'll see you next week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that's a good question. I think it all starts what we said earlier about surrendering what we already know, right? Surrender our expectations. Surrender the way we think it should happen. Sometimes when we think how God should be moving in our life and the power of God, if you think it, then that's the one he doesn't want to use because then that proves that you were smarter than him at times. So we have to be very careful in that. How does God work in our finances? The power of God can work in your finances. Oh, we have a lot of testimonies there. It's not a plea, but it starts by being obedient with what you have already. Tithes, offerings, things like that. And if you're not doing that, we love you more than anybody else in this room. But I just encourage you that 2023, step out and trust. See what God can do. I mean, he talks about prove me. There's so many, te- no, don't even clap because I don't want to like, eh, raise the money. We're not. We're doing fine. This building's paid for. God has blessed us. We've seen the power of God work in finances here amazingly. But trust him more. Trust him. Trust him in that area. It's the wall. It's the hardest place. Trust him in healing. Some of you have been living with an ailment too long. We lived in Matthew. I think Pastor or Pastor Mike on a Wednesday night. You know, Matthew 7 where he talks about there's the prayer that we need to do. And we'll talk about prayer in a minute. But sometimes the prayer is pressing in where you've got to keep knocking at that door. Don't give up. The power of God will come as you begin to pray more too. Prayer is not an event in the morning and at night before you lay your head on the pillow. Prayer is a lifestyle, a part of what you're already doing in the rhythms of your life. It's an instant like, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Luann right now. Father God, she's a daughter of God. Continue to bless her in her life. Bring peace to any matter that is in her life right now. Any decisions that are coming in her way, Father God, give her that spiritual wisdom and know that she is loved by you. Heal anything that is in her body that is causing her ailment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. It's, it's, it's part of what we have to be doing. And that was no perfect, and I'm sorry to put you out under that, but just, that, amen. But it's something that you've got to be on standby with the Holy Spirit. Pray about you. I find my prayers get more answered when I'm praying for other people. Amen. Sorry. It is a little formula. I've somehow in my ignorance filled that, figured that out. Think of others first sometime. But you have, for God to move and the power of God to move more and more, you need to be praying more. 
And then back to what Jesus said before he left us. If I'm giving my church, because I'm the head of the body, I'm giving you authority, how is the vehicle going to work? Well, the vehicle's gonna work because I've given you my name. My name, in the name of Jesus. Some of you people are just from the edge of miracles happening, but you haven't spoke that name enough. Keep speaking it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. How many times until it works? I don't know. There's power because each time you're saying that, you're building up. And you're not only just building up for whatever situation you're praying about, but it's giving you power to work on anything else that's coming down the pike. It's being stored up. Your prayer life has to be a part of this. And prayer is more listening than talking sometimes when it's just you and the Holy Spirit. Taking time to hear what he's saying. But the name of Jesus has to be used. It's your authority. Some of you have not seen the power of God because you haven't done what he told you to do last. I've had those many times. Like, wait, what's happening? What did I tell you to do last? Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't want to, though. (laughs) But you have to. It's part of surrender and obedience for God to move. We've sensed it, our pastoral sensed it more than not just in your individual lives, but collectively, the power of God is going to be moving more and more in this room as we go further. More and more. So get ready to be uncomfortable a little bit, because that, like I said earlier, that's just going to lead to growth. We're not wanting circus acts. God is not a God of Barnum and Bailey circus things. But he's a God of love that wants to heal your heart, your soul, your body, your mind, and empower you to do the same to others. And that may come from some powerful events that happen here. I could go through testimonies of God's power outside of that car accident. I've seen legs grown. I've seen people's hearts stop and come back. I've seen many things where God has done that in our lives. And the Satan would be the last person that wants anything good in the power of God to be working in a church and doing that in our service. So just to recap a little bit here as we move on to communion in just a few minutes. Our anchored statement again was each of us and collectively as the church we are given opportunities to go beyond what things we've done before to glorify God. See, if we glorify God, we get the good out of a lot of that. I know that's not our motive, but it just will happen. In this going beyond, God has given us great resources, things we just talked about today, to do this. Rest assured, don't feel pressure. It's not in your own efforts. But does another new year, another new year, 2023 we can anchor, mean you going beyond where you've been before in God? And in that, you have the resources. You have your spiritual wisdom. You have the hope that should anchor you through any situation. You have the calling that is calling you daily to do and follow Christ. And then you have the power of God at your disposal when you're following his will. It may take some times where we exchange comfort for his will. But that's okay. And the final thing that I wanted to leave finally is, (laughs) and we've kind of interweaved it here, if, you don't, if you're not leaning into the Holy Spirit, this is just going to be a nice educational process and you're going to go through the motions of being a Christian. You may even use a reference point of Christian, but you're not going to experience everything he has for you. Everything. 
Because if you can tune into the Holy Spirit, he can guide you. He's your comforter. He's your guide. He's your instant access to God to speak through him. He is your tuner. The Bible is your map. We need it. But the Holy Spirit is the compass because he knows where you are. You need the involve the Holy Spirit in this process. And we're going to be doing soon, I don't think today, but if you don't feel your spirit filled or you're not praying in tongues or nothing's going on, you know, come to the front, ask for a pastor. Actually, just today, too, at the end of surges, ask a pastor to pray for you because we don't want to miss that opportunity. It's you plugging into what God has for you. And it's amazing. It is amazing. We celebrate Martin Luther King Day tomorrow. Here's a man that was born in the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia. I think Auburn Street. He was a man that he was hearing a calling in his life to go beyond what his parents, his neighbors have ever done before. And that calling led him to abolishing and being major a part of abolishing segregation in this country that we have. Imagine if he didn't want to go beyond his church or whatever. There's a quote here that's fitting today that he said, obviously on his time on earth, he said, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward and going beyond. Just do it. Just move. Just move. So I'd encourage you again in 2023, keep this prayer on your mind of getting, asking for God's resource to encounter you, spiritual wisdom, resting in his hope, hearing his calling, and if all those things are working, God's going to show up and the power of God will be working in your life and in this church as well too. Hope you got something out of it. We're going to do communion. Kind of stay in a, an at, atmosphere of worship, but if you could stand. Is there anybody who does not have a, the elements? Thank you, Pastor Ray. <clears throat> this will be our first communion in 2023. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So we, we've heard this before. Jesus is having the Last Supper and is about to walk into the fulfillment of what God's having him do and going to the cross for you and I and those disciples. But before he gets into communion, if we remember, he talks about somebody's going to betray me. I think at the point of any communion, we have to look into our hearts not so much being a Judas that I'm going to turn him in <laughs> as Judas did, but maybe a Peter that says, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. And he betrayed him. The same day Jesus was dying. <laughs> Examine our hearts before we go further. We're not perfect people, but we know a perfect God. But examine your heart. Say, Lord, you know, just in this time, even if I don't have a relationship with you out right now, Lord, come into my life. Reconcile me to you.
I want to be a new creature in Christ and accept the gift of what he did on that cross. Accept the death, burial, and resurrection so I can also not only fulfill my calling on earth to glorify you, God, but also in heaven when I die. Take that to heart. Take that to heart. But Jesus was very somber in this moment because he had to be because it's like, disciples, I'm about to do what I said I'm going to (laughs) do. But I need you to remember what I've done. I need you to remember what I've done. So as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. What his body went through for you. The lashing, the crown of thorns, nails, an uncomfortable cross for you. Broken so we could be restored. Be that in remembrance. You ever think you're having a bad day? Wow, Lord, we just remember that. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you did. That we can rest in hope in what you did. That your body was broken, put on a cross, and there was death. So we may have life, Lord. We do this in remembrance of you, Father. Jesus' name, amen. You may eat the wafer. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks for it. He said, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Lord, we just come to you thanking you for this new covenant and what you called and were done on the cross for us, Lord. That we are made anew in you, Father God. That your blood washed out every sin that we may have done now and in the future through your grace. That we humble ourselves to know that you deserve to be worshipped, Lord. You deserve And that we pray for others right now that do not know about this new covenant, Lord. They do not know the good news of how much you loved us and loved them. We just pray for loved ones right now as we are in remembrance that there are people in their paths, there are sentences and words away that draw them unto you, Father God, especially in 2023. In Jesus' name, amen. You may drink the cup. Blood applied in your life and mine is so important. The blood applied. When you're done with your elements, there's some ushers walking around. You can pop them in the bed. Hope you got something out of this today. I really do. 2023 is here, like it or not. It's a good year. It's a little year that we're growing more in the Lord individually and as a church at Faith Christian Center and we have hope in that and what God's beginning to do we love you very much Uh, one quick thing if you are a Seekonk resident 
a Seekonk resident. If you have a few minutes, could you just come to the front? Not right now. After we're done, we just had a few things we wanted to let you know about. Uh, it shouldn't take more than five minutes. Seekonk resident, just come up in the front real quick. But thank you so much for your attentiveness. Uh, we believe God has great things ahead, and we love you. Pastor Ray, thank you.